0: Welcome back to All Right, Now What? I'm one of your hosts, Andrea Gunraj. This season of the show has been all about feminist philanthropy, and it's been a joy to produce in partnership with our friends at the Equality Fund and the Community Foundations of Canada. My co-host Kate is wrapping up that discussion this week by looking forward. She spoke with Nadia... A senior development officer at the Cooperation Council of Ontario about how we can consistently build accountability and equity into our feminist fundraising and investing. The idea for this conversation came from our discussion with colleagues at Community Foundations of Canada about their Gender Equality Fund which made inaugural grants this year. The goal of that fund is to help shift power into the hands of women, girls, to spirit and gender diverse individuals by supporting their leadership and engagement in community initiatives. In an effort to create an even deeper impact, to participate in the fund, all of the community foundations have to commit to institutional change, including updating their own governance, staffing, human resource policies and more. Furthermore, they were required to allocate a matching gift in combined capital to gender lens investments. This is the first time Community Foundations of Canada has made responsible investment a requirement to access a grant program. We were interested in further exploring that idea.
1: It's really a great pleasure to to be here. My name is Nadia. I identify as an African woman uh, with Ethiopian and Algerian roots and I was born and raised in Addis Ababa in Ethiopia. I also identify as a newcomer to Canada, uh, where I've spent seven years now, including my undergraduate studies. Currently, I live on the Algonquin Anishinaabe territory, and I work as a senior development officer at the Cooperation Council of uh, Ontario. Uh, it's a nonprofit social enterprise that supports the promotion and development and uh, innovation of francophone and bilingual social enterprises and cooperatives in Ontario. Um, on their behalf, I am a part-time consultant and lead on the Investment Readiness Program for Cooperative and Mutuals Canada, and I'm also an independent consultant drawing more from my passion for the environment and my training in development planning. I support um, international cooperation and organizations with um, environmental mainstreaming, gender climate analysis, and climate finance.
2: Very busy, <laughs> a lot on the go. And I feel like um, well suited to this conversation. So today we're talking about accountability and and sustainability and sort of wrapping up some of the conversations that we've been having throughout this season about giving and and redefining giving so that everyone benefits and and has the agency to make decisions for themselves and for their communities. Uh, So I guess moving to this first question, how do you think that we as people who work in this sector can be more accountable towards those that we serve? So, I'd
1: say, first, um, I have two points. Um, First is to understand the needs, both immediate and long term, through listening, and to lend our voice to speak on behalf of those we serve through allyship. So, trust, consistency, and inclusion must be demonstrated through participatory processes and dialogue. So it's important to know who all the stakeholders are and who may be left behind. And we also have to acknowledge where there is privilege and power and what assumptions there may be. So that process can be demonstrated through transparency with data and the methodology that is used. Another point that I think is really important and it's as much as possible to try to put forward those we serve so they can share their stories and access wider platforms. When speaking on their behalf, it's important to know how to communicate their needs and making sure um, they do justice to their realities. So storytelling becomes key and it requires integrity and the capacity to receive criticism, to embrace emotions. We have to continuously learn and unlearn and reevaluate our beliefs. And as we reflect on other people's experiences and our own.
2: Very closely related, I think, to conversations about accountability is sustainability. You know, how do we how do we keep this going in a meaningful way? Um, in the philanthropy sector. So what does sustainability mean for the space in which we both work, um, especially during a pandemic when, when things are sort of uncertain for everyone?
1: So in terms of philanthropy, um, I think it's so important during this pandemic to making sure that the grant making process are as accessible, clear and simple and inclusive to make sure that those that have been impacted by the p- pandemic can reach the support and another aspect that's key is to provide all the knowledge tools and networks to allow you know the sector and those that we serve to benefit from all that support and another aspect is really to making sure that we gather as much data as possible on the effect of the pandemic because that's really going to influence how we're, how the sector is going to evolve after the pandemic it's vital to understand the pandemic's differential impacts and that's through the desegregation of data. I think it's going to be quite key and supporting transformative gender change. We have to think of uh, what other sectors have been involved, where is the intersectionality and how can we continue to encourage partnerships, collaborations and coalitions across sectors. I thought it would be also important to mention the support with capacities, training and tools for impact measurement and gender-based analysis. And on that aspect, I wanted to link it to a sector perhaps a bit more broad to philanthropy. It's investment, because in the context of this pandemic, there's another growing field uh, that is gender lens investing. And I think I think we can both be involved in, in, in those aspects, whether it be through philanthropy and investment, because it's pretty much the same space. Um, the choices that we make today in terms of investments will have consequences on gender equality for decades to come. So... We all know from the data that workplaces have been turned upside down. There's clear data that women have been negatively impacted, whether it be by downshifting their careers, leaving the workforce, or jeopardizing their financial security. It's really intensified challenges that women have already faced. We have to make sure that women are back in the workforce and and, and to support women entrepreneurs. Uh, as we all know, everyone, the entire ecosystem can benefit from uh, the promotion and support of women entrepreneurs. Women entrepreneurs actually from research uh, show that they have higher education levels than men entrepreneurs and they have strong sustainability and philanthropic values. And I've had the privilege to collaborate with inspiring women entrepreneurs in Canada who have tremendous potential for social and environmental impact. And obviously, there's also been stronger interest from charities and nonprofit sectors for social finance. I'm referring to social finance with my experience in the Investment Readiness Program, of which um, the Canadian Women Foundation is also uh, one of the 25 partners. There's a lot of work still to do for capacity building, but there's strong interest. And I'm really curious to see how this space is going to evolve and grow. And I really hope that gender and Indigenous lens will be central to the deployment of the Social Finance Fund.
2: I'm wondering if you can just tell me a little bit about what social finance is and what maybe, if you can expand a bit on what a gender lens looks like in social finance.
1: So the social finance is a means for that social and environmental impact, whether it be through loans and uh, other various forms of uh, social financing. The gender lens, I mentioned earlier uh, that there is a growing field in gender-lens investing because we know that the investments we'll be making today will have impacts and consequences uh, for decades to come. And we all know that gender inequality and women's empowerment are matters of fundamental human rights and prerequisites to meeting the Sustainable Development Goals. And all the countries are working towards reaching those SDGs by 2030, and we have a lot of work to do to undo patriarchal relationships and social structures. So everything we do must have a gender lens because the repercussions uh, have an impact across all sectors and leadership and female entrepreneurship to raise the power and ambition of all women is, is really key. And there's more research and a business case um, on investing in women. So I really see a lot of growing fields with the Social Finance Fund, hopefully by integrating a gender lens as a central aspect with Indigenous lens as well. So we'll see. I'm still in the learning process. There's still a lot of aspects to define uh, within the pilot project of the Investment Readiness Program. Um, So I'm
2: really looking forward to following that space. We're sort of talking around this question, but how do you think we can further institutional change, keep this sustainability and and accountability conversation moving forward. Obviously,
1: smart gender responsive investments are going to be key, but there's also a crucial aspect, which is sound gender responsive policies to really put the world back on track to eradicate poverty and reach the, the SDGs. There are too few women who are managing responses and recovery efforts right now. Social and economic policies and programs to confront the fallout of this crisis must be inclusive and transformative to address women's leadership, their labor, both outside and within the home. So placing women and girls at the center of preparedness, response and recovery will bring genuine change that women's rights groups have advocated for for such a long time. And I think another aspect will be media, making sure that the media plays a role to put emphasis on what the social service um, sector does and why it's essential. Um, I've myself like learned more recently about the data, um, how 80% of people working in the nonprofit sector are women and how three-fourths of people working in health and social care are women. And often they are lower paid jobs. Those that data needs to be shared as widely as possible. And there should be more conversations with people around us at our workplace to understand how this is affecting women and ideally also seeing more leadership with men either taking paternal leave to be involved in childcare and being part of the conversations and solutions and and leading by example. Canada has such a great potential to to really put indigenous wisdom and knowledge at the center to redefine our relationships with others with ourselves with our ancestry with our with nature how we care for one another those decolonizing practices are going to be key in canada and around the world and that focus on women's security health and well-being as we know there's lots of everyday behavior and microaggressions lots of discussions that are not being put forward I really hope that's how we will we will get to a, a feminist future
2: in terms of achieving that that future, is there something that you're doing maybe in your work or your personal life to get us there and to help sort of redefine giving in the sense that we 've been talking about it?
1: Well, um, personally here in Canada at least i i I would like to get involved in more mentorship programs for women like myself who came to Canada as international students or or newcomers who you know, have to navigate through the Canadian ecosystem, especially the financial ecosystem, and to be in control of their opportunities, whether as entrepreneurs, or how they can uh, be more involved with women networks to access mentorship and, and support, and also to know how they can donate or invest in gender-focused initiatives. My way of donating is through volunteering. I am involved with a nonprofit organization called Congo Sanctuary and Development that really is around the center that women around the world are uniquely affected by the damaging impacts of climate change. So, knowing that they have a central role in combating climate change, but also lifting African communities out of poverty. I I really love this project that's that's led by a friend of mine and she's a great source of inspiration. She's like a big sister who founded this uh, initiative on her homeland in Congo, Brazzaville. And uh, it's on a family owned land. There's a community of about 400 uh, people who are living near a national park. And so the activities involve education, uh, women empowerment and education through um, providing menstrual kits, different livelihood uh, diversification projects. Um, I'm mostly supporting with program planning and um, community resilience project.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of All Right Now What? This is the final episode of the season. We hope you've enjoyed this conversation and learned a little bit about fundraising and systemic change. As always, if you have any questions or comments about the show, you can reach us by email at engagement at Until next time.